Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. Good morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together to worship you, to remember those who have given all in the service of this country. Lord, I pray that they would rest in your perpetual light, that they would enjoy you forever. Lord, I also pray for this morning that the principles that we learn from the warrior Gideon and um, uh, the life that he lived, I pray that you would help uh, inspire us and to help us to um, learn from those principles. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So on February 8th, 2012, I raised my right hand and I said, I, Stephen Abbott, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the uniform code of military justice. So help me God. So ever since civilization began, ever since governments have been governing, we've had militaries. We've needed militaries uh, in order to keep peace and to keep borders safe and to keep everyone, you know, safe, right? And so this oath-taking has been going on forever. From the very beginning, people have had to take oaths to defend their country. You don't really want somebody in your army unless you can trust them. And one of the ways we know we can trust them is that they've made a promise. They've made a pledge that we can trust them. And so this oath-taking was also common in the Roman Empire in the Roman Empire, it was actually called the Sacramentum uh, Militare. And if that sounds familiar to you, sacrament is what we're going to be talking about this morning. Baptism is also a sacramentum, which is our pledge to God. But it's more importantly, his pledge to us. And so when a soldier came in, he would make his pledge, and then he would be part of their military. They could trust him. He was expected to abide by their code of conduct as a, as a military man it's appropriate because today, the sacrament, um, in the sacrament, God is making a pledge to us. We respond through his instituted means and make a pledge to God. So this morning, I had the privilege of baptizing little baby Gideon. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to do baptisms. And uh, this morning, we got to do that. But this morning, we won't be doing another baptism, sadly. Although, if anybody here wants to get baptized, let me know. Maybe we can do something last minute. Um, but we will be doing communion, which is the same, has the same uh, purpose. It is our pledge to God, and it's also God's pledge to us. It is a sacrament. So a sacrament is not all about what we do. We cannot baptize ourselves, uh, nor can we give ourselves Holy Communion. Um, a sacrament is all about what God does for us and in us. It's all about the work of God. So there's no way that I, um, you know, can baptize myself. It is all the work of God. One of the things that we can always rest assured, in, uh, assured of is that if we come to baptism and our pastor baptizes us and we find out later that he's a heretic and a liar and a thief and a drunkard and everything else you can imagine under the sun, your baptism is still, is still valid. Not because of that minister and his righteousness, but because of the work of God through the sacrament of baptism. The same thing with the sacrament up here at the table. When you come up to receive Holy Communion, you're not going to receive Holy Communion because of my righteousness. 
thank God. Um, you're receiving the sacrament based on Christ's righteousness and what he has done. So you receive benefits, you receive promises, all these things you receive because of grace, because of God's unmerited favor toward you as a sinner. So today we are honoring our service members who gave everything in defense of our country, those who never made it back home. And we also celebrated the baptism of Gideon this morning. While we remember all of this, we remember our service members who pledged everything. It's, it's almost as if when you join the military, you're giving the government a blank check. I will pay everything up to my own life. When you, when you become a member of the military, you are deciding at that moment when you sign, and you know, people talk about signing the dotted line, right? Um, when you do that, you have decided that if they send you anywhere, you're going to have to serve even to the point of death. One of the reasons why Father Henry and I were talking last night, one of the reasons he loves the military so much, and one of the reasons he loves, you know, sometimes people worry about church and state, right? Like, maybe you shouldn't wear that uniform up there preaching. Well, one of the things he loves so much is that the, the greatest sign of love is Jesus dying on the cross, right? The greatest sign of love is that you give up your, your life for your friends. And so, um, for a soldier, that's a great example of that. And over and over again, we're called soldiers by Paul in the New Testament. So I felt it appropriate that we should look at the biblical warrior Gideon today, since we baptized baby Gideon, um, in chapters 6 and 7. So 7 might have seemed long, but just be grateful I didn't do chapters 6 and 7, because that would have been a much longer reading for you. But I love the story of Gideon. Um, The story of Gideon, he's a real man in a real life situation, and we can learn a lot from what God does through him in that situation. So let's begin by looking at chapter 7 together. Well, 6 and 7. Judges chapter 6 and 7. So some of y'all, you'll have pew Bibles. You can open those up and follow along if you'd like. So baptism, first of all, calls us to renounce the devil and turn to Jesus Christ. So one of the first promises we make when we get baptized is that we'll turn from the devil and follow Jesus Christ. God tells Gideon to tear down his father's altar to Baal. And one of the things I think is important to remember, and especially when you grow up in the Bible Belt, especially like in Texas, for example, it's not you being a Texan doesn't mean you're necessarily a Christian. <laughs> and just because your parents were Bible-believing Christians doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. And if your parent was a drunkard or an abuser or a whatever, um, that has no bearing on your life either. It certainly influenced you. There's certainly consequences that you'll have to carry around the rest of your life. But at the same time, when you get baptized, it's a fresh start. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And so not uh, in our family or our denomination. So a lot of times people, you talk to them, they say, well, I was was baptized Roman Catholic, or I was baptized Anglican, or I was baptized Baptist, or I was baptized something— one of the things you have to remember about baptism is that it's not a baptism into a denomination. You're not getting baptized Roman Catholic. When you get baptized, what's happening is you're getting baptized into Christ. You are being put into the body of Christ on earth, his church. And so it doesn't matter what denomination you're in. It's not about denominations. And it's not about, you know, being part of a Christian family even. What's important is when you get baptized that you own that faith for yourself. What kind of altars is the devil, um, what kind of altars has the devil set up that God is calling you to tear down? 
And in the story of Gideon, he actually goes at night and tears down his father's altar. And I love that, right? He goes and he tears down his own father's altar. And in this society, to dishonor your father was, you could get killed for that. But the problem is the altar wasn't an altar to God. It was an altar to Yahweh. It was an altar to Baal. And so he goes and he tears down this altar to Baal that his father had set up, or at least maybe his father's father had set up. And so the villagers get mad because one of the things you have to understand in this culture is Baal was the god of fertility. If you wanted to have kids, you would pray to Baal. If you wanted to have a uh, really abundant crop for the harvest, you would pray to Baal. Baal was like the rain god, the the god who would bring uh, fertility to the land. And so by coming and tearing down that altar, in, in essence, what he was saying to that village that he, was, that he was in was, you are not going to be able to worship this God anymore, and you're going to have to find another way <laughs> to find fertility. You're going to have to find another way to grow your crops. So obviously the village gets really mad, and they all decide, we're going to kill Gideon for that. Like, how dare he tear down our altar to Baal? Well, his father actually defends him, which is a, really a miracle. And sometimes, you know, in our own lives, our fathers seem to be worshiping other gods and following after other gods, but God will work in their hearts. And maybe it was just Gideon having the tenacity and the courage to stand up against Baal worship in, in his village. And his dad, his dad stood up for me. He said, if Baal is really a god, then Baal will defend himself. Gael can, or Baal can take care of Gideon. But nothing happens to Gideon, so... Obviously, obviously Baal wasn't, uh, wasn't a problem. Some altars seem impossible to tear down, but we can tear them down with God's help. God brings us into a new family. He gives us new commandments uh, in the Old Testament, but he also gives us the Beatitudes in the New Testament. He gives us, most importantly, the fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament. Galatians five twenty two and 23. If you don't know those, memorize them. They're good. <laughs> They're really essential to the Christian life. And the second point, baptism calls us to renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of the world and receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Bible. Gideon sees the angel of the Lord, but continues to doubt God. Before the angel appears, a prophet had come, and the prophet said that God had delivered you from Egypt, and now you're turning to idols. But the people didn't listen to the prophet, so God comes himself. He comes down himself to his people as the angel of the Lord. And whenever you see the angel of the Lord, not just an angel, but the angel of the Lord, something important is going on. Some people think that it's actually a, a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, which is really, really cool. So whenever I see that, I get super excited to see what that angel is doing. And so he comes and he talks to Gideon. One of the things I love is he actually greets him by saying, hey, mighty warrior, which is awesome because he hasn't done anything yet. Really, he hasn't really done anything to earn that title. One of the things that happened at your baptism is you might not have done anything yet for God. I mean, especially if you get baptized as a baby like we do in our church. Like, if you get baptized as a baby, you cannot have done anything to earn that. But it is all the promises of God, all the unmerited favor of God. He is the one that makes us a mighty warrior on behalf of Christ. Nothing we can do to earn it. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Gideon asks for signs to make sure that he can trust God. The first thing that the angel does is he takes uh, his staff and he, he, puts it on, he, he points at a rock and makes the rock burst into flames and it consumes the offering of Gideon. 
But that's not enough for Gideon, apparently. <laughs> I, would think that, I would hope that would be enough for me to believe that he's really the angel of the Lord, you know, sent from God. But um, apparently, he wants more signs. So then there's the, uh, the fleece, right? So you have the fleece that's wet, and then it's dry, and then it's dry, and then it's wet, and then the ground is dry, and the ground is wet. So he does all these— Basically, he wants magic, like a magic tr- show from God. Like, show me all these signs, and then I'll believe you. So over and over again, he's, a- he's asking for signs. Because what he's, his problem is, he's looking at the Old Testament, and he's like, you delivered us from the Egyptians. You did all this stuff in the Old Testament. Where are you today? The Midianites are coming in. My family is starving. We're hungry. All these bad things are happening. But where are you now? And in our own life, we receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Bible. Guys, faith is not about some strange thing that you conjure up on your own. Your faith is based on real events and real history and real time that happened to real people from a real God who is really alive, who really wants you to be saved. Like, it's, it's not something that you just come up with. Like, if you put your faith in a flying spaghetti monster, you're not going to be saved. It just doesn't work that way. So, continuing on to my third point. Baptism calls us to renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw us from the love of God and obediently keep God's holy will and commandments. God will put us in positions where we have to humble ourselves and trust and obey him instead of trusting in our own abilities or resources. Now Gideon must have been a man of resources because his father was the man who built the altar in his town to Baal. He must have been a very powerful, influential man. And the fact that he gets 22,000 men— now, guys, in the army today, if you have 800 to 1,000 people, that's like a battalion. You're, you're a battalion commander. He had 22 of those. That's like, a, that's like a, I don't even know, commander of the army. Like 22,000 people is a lot of people. So you're, you're handling huge, huge numbers of forces. So he was a man of influence. He was a man of means. But God looks at his 22,000 men and he says, nope, that's not how you're going to win this battle. And then he, windle, he, he, he goes down to 10,000 men. Still, nope, that's not how you're going to win this battle. Then he goes down to 300 men. And he says, take these 300 men and win this battle. But it's not going to be you winning the battle. It's going to be me winning the battle. And God will often strengthen our faith when we need it most. One of the things that I like about this story too is um, Gideon likes to, he has moments of, of faith, lacking faith, wobbly faith. And in our Christian life, we have times of wobbly faith too. And that's why Gideon's asking for signs, right, in the beginning. And then the Lord gives him kind of a, a little, hey, I know your faith is weak. I know you don't think you can beat them with 300 men. But go down and listen to what they're saying in the camp. So he goes down and he listens to the Midianites, and the Midianites are saying, I saw this vision of this barley loaf coming down and crashing and smashing our tents, right? Which is really weird. But, but the barley loaf points to Gideon, it points to his situation because all they had to eat was barley. And if you guys have ever eaten barley loaf before, it's not very tasty. It's like the worst kind of bread you can eat. Yeah, it's nasty. So, but because the Midianites have eaten, had eaten all the other food, all that was left was barley. So it was a symbol of Gideon. It's a symbol of these Israelites rising up from their oppression. And so this barley loaf comes and smashes down and it's a sign to him that he's going to have the victory. So God gives him, this, gives him this ability to go down and listen, like sneak down to the camp and hear what the enemy is saying. And so he goes down and he hears that. We will, we will defeat the devil, the world, and the flesh when we turn, and trust our, turn our trust over to him and obediently keep his will and commandments. 
one of the things in our Christian life is we, we think that we can do it on our own. The devil gets into our head all the time. If I just try harder, if, if, I just, if I'm just a better person. God didn't come to make you a better person. He came, to, he came to make you a saved person. You can never be a good enough person to be saved. And so it's important for us to recognize in the gospel, this message of salvation is based on not our works, but on Christ's work on the cross, which we receive in baptism and the Lord's Supper. These things are instituted means for us to enjoy the benefits to participate, as Paul talks about, in the body and blood of our Lord. And so, our conclusion is this. God has pledged himself to us through Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross, and, and uh, through his death on the cross, and he is calling us to pledge ourselves fully to him. God gave himself completely on the cross. Sometimes we think of Jesus as like a whipping boy, right? Like poor Jesus got beat up for us on the cross. You cannot divide the Trinity. It's also Trinity Sunday, by the way. It's Memorial Day, Trinity Sunday, and we had a baptism, so it's kind of hard to keep track of everything going on. But (laughs) it is Trinity Sunday, by the way. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, the Father and the Holy Spirit also were suffering. They were feeling what Jesus was going through. It wasn't like God had just turned an eye and, and left his son on the cross. He was fully experiencing everything that the Son was experiencing. The Trinity cannot be divided. And so in our life, we can look at Jesus and his pledge to us on the cross. He was willing to give everything to die for us. And so we can turn to him and give him our pledge that we will entrust ourselves completely to him. We'll pick up our cross. We'll follow him. We will die for him. That's what a true pledge is. That's what baptism really means. It's not, it's not so much about what you can do for God— It's what God has done for you, and you accepting that by faith with thanksgiving. So, are you allowing altars for the devil to remain in your life? Sexual immorality, pornography, all these things in our world today that are so prevalent. Addiction, drugs, alcohol. Things that are crippling families, crippling individual lives. Are you allowing those things to have a foothold in your life that can keep you from enjoying the abundant life that God has for you? God will help you. God will give you a community to help you through your addiction and through your, your troubles if, if you'll just turn to him. Are you doubting that God still has work to do in your life? Are you looking at the Old Testament saying that's not for you today? Are you looking at the New Testament saying that's not for you today? God still has work to do today. We are the New Testament church. It didn't stop in the book of Acts. It continues today. Are you trusting in your own strength and resources more than the power of God Are you getting up every morning trying to be a better person? (laughs) Or are you leaning into the strength of God, the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the work of God, to change yourself, to become a new creation in Christ? So I'll leave you with those final questions to think about. Um, Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for everyone gathered here. Lord, I pray that we would look at your sacraments as what they are, a gift that we must accept and open and enter into with our lives. Lord, as we approach your table this morning, as little Gideon and his family celebrate his baptism, I pray that you would watch over them, that you would empower them, that you would help them to be good parents, to raise him in Christ. And I pray also that you would help us to continue the walk in our baptism, to continue the walk in in your gracious gift through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com.
We hope you will join us again soon.